Welcome to the Strange Catholics Podcast. I'm your host, Phil, joined as always by Terry in Minnesota with me and Bob in Virginia. We are three distinct voices bringing varied perspectives on the church and the world into the conversation. We want you to join in the conversation. You can do so by going to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics and leaving a message there. You may also email us at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. Please remember to rate this podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening and share with one person. We used to gather around a table at Caribou Coffee. It's a coffee house in Minnesota in the Midwest. But now we gather virtually in hopes that these conversations will be a light for you as they are for us. Now, let us begin this week's conversation. Welcome to the Strange Catholics Podcast. This is episode 31, and we're going to talk about, we're going to have Bob's riff, of course, or cup of coffee, however you want to refer to it. This week, we're going to talk about Stations of the Cross, the origin and the depth and beauty of meditating on Christ's passion, especially during Lent. And our saint this week is St. Francis of Rome. And turning it over to opening prayer is Bob. Thanks, Phil. Welcome, brothers. Welcome, everyone, to the podcast. Let's start in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Gracious and glorious God, thank you for this wonderful evening, or an evening now, to to uh, tape this podcast with my two brothers, to be present with you, present with our podcast community. As we go forward today, just just shine through us. Just, just get your word out through us to that podcast community. Um, we ask this through your son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. And Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And Amen. and no, no negative comments because I'm not an ordained deacon, so I don't have to do that completely right. <laughs> you really do show your age when you talk about taping the podcast, though. Yeah, just just throwing gonna, that out there. I was going to comment, too. No taping. There's no tape running on this. This is... <laughs> <laughs> we got the big, big, you know, the big magnetic tape. So there you go. All right. So let me just let me riff for just a, just a couple of minutes here. And I, I want to take us back to last weekend. Um, the second reading, which was uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, uh, where where he talks, you know, he talks a lot about faith. Right. He talks a lot about that when he says Brothers and sisters, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but handed him over for all of us, how how will he not also give us everything else along with him? Who will bring a charge against God's chosen ones? That's us. It is God who acquits us, who will condemn. Christ Jesus, it is who, it is who died, or rather was raised who also is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. So uh, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There you Thanks go. Thanks be to God. Hey, and so when I heard this during Mass, I just I just said, you know what? The first part especially, if God is for us, who is against us, right? I mean, it's just, I mean, it's like, what do you believe in, right? What is your faith? You know, and then uh, listening to, throughout the week kind of seeing what's happening in the world and all this other stuff going on and just kind of coming, you know, ruminating with that, you know, 
what what do we what do you believe in? Who do you believe in? What's your what faith do you have? You know, Lent is a time for us kind of to come back to the church. It's for us to, as Catholics who have been going, to you know come back and say, "Yep, we, you know what, we believe in God," and and then what we can do more, what we can do more, and then those who have been gone from the church to say, "Yes, I do have faith," and have that faith to come back and come back within that umbrella of God's love and be part of the community. So that that's kind of where I was going with that. And then you guys sent uh, through uh, through the text that nice video uh, about uh, <laughs> that nice video about hell. Uh, it was very instructive, and of course the Fulton Sheen quote: uh, "Only those who live by faith know what know what is happening in the world, and those who have lost their vision." from the height they have fallen, right? They've fallen. Those have fallen. They can come back. This is Lent. Come on back. Let's go. You can come back any time of the year, but especially now it's sort of like pledge week. Come on back, right? We want you back now. This is a good time, right? These 40 days, come on back in. And, you know, I, there was just a couple of examples this week that, uh, that stuck out to me. One is the problems going on in New York with the governor. I have nothing against the governor of New York. You know, in fact, I pray for him and all the issues that he's had now with people coming out and charging him or accusing him of sexual harassment, the issues with uh, underreporting, uh, the nursing home deaths, all that bad media. It just looks not good for him. But it really just looks like if somebody who's fallen from some heights to 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 a lower level, right? It just is an example like that. It's just one example I saw this week. Um, the other the other example I'll give is people in the streets in Myanmar. Here is a here is a country. And this is where I get into my social justice part. People who are on the streets, who are asking for freedom, who are asking for democracy, right? These are people who have faith and they have hope. They they have they have a belief that what they're doing there's a higher power there's a higher uh there's a there's a higher purpose to it whether or not they're christians or not does it it doesn't matter in this context but that kind of view that's where christians are right we have a view of a higher power i mean we believe that 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 god is with us so nobody can be against us right we we have that belief amen so so uh, these are just some of the things to take away. And just one last thing, and then I'll let these guys get in before we end this segment. I just watched The Iron Lady tonight. Uh, it's, a, it's the movie about Margaret Thatcher. We finally got to watch it many years out. And this is a perfect example, even though of a flawed character, of someone who was always just like, I am my principal. I'm never wavering. I am... I have in fortitude, all of those things that we talk about that are important for us in our belief structure. She always kept true to those. Now, maybe some of those decisions were you could disagree with, but you could never disagree with her saying, I am not going to waver on my opinion. This is this is my belief system and so on. I mean, so at least you can take it was just kind of ironic that we watched that movie tonight. And I was going to riff on this already. Last thing, quick. Uh, we we put a we're putting a link in the show notes for the USCCB daily uh, readings. If you don't know about it, you should know about it. Go to that. 
They have a wonderful daily reflection video there. There's priests, there's nuns, there's lay people. I, I'm watching those every day. I think they're really, really very, uh, very, very, very good. We, there was just one recently on St. Casimir, which gave me a little bit of extra after I got the the wonderful dump of information from Terry last week. So so it's really it's really valuable stuff. I'm glad that you were able to get extra information after that uh, exegesis that Terry does on St. Spotlight. It was non-Wikipedia information. That's what it was. And, and I, I love how you kind of unpacked the second reading and then also was looking for reflections of that in our world, uh, both in Miramar and there's a number of other places around the world. Uh, in Nigeria, there were 300... Uh, ladies that were kidnapped, almost or it's 300 and some, but 300 have been returned. I mean, we see this this paradigm of of give and take of good and evil. You know, we can see this kind of playing out in our world today. And, you know, especially we can look around our world and say, well, man, it doesn't seem like a lot is going for us right now. But we can still see God's hand working in all of these different scenarios around the world in our day, if we have, again, those eyes of faith, like what you talked about, and that is integral to, especially for us to reflect on and try to see God moving, even when something looks like there's no way that's happening. So great reflection, Bob. I, I especially like the uh, the connection to Pledge Week. Very, very artful insight. Lots uh, of PBS I, watching. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I was just actually uh, looking something up, Phil, that you had mentioned about the uh, 300 students from uh, Northwest Nigeria. I remember seeing that, uh, and that just really disturbed me. And, you know, it's really a great lens to look through what is going on in our world with the first words of that second reading, if, if God is for us. Who can be against? And what a great message in this time of 40 days in the desert, this time of, you know, really opening ourselves up to God to remember that God is there. God is for us and God loves us. And no matter if we're still those folks still out in the desert from last Lent because of COVID, they can't come back to church because they're afraid to come back to church. Or if it's somebody, you know, who doesn't feel worthy of the Catholic faith or has something against the Catholic faith and now wants to come back. It's just, a, it's just a great way to look at God's love for us. You know, if God is for us, who can be against? Awesome, Bob. Thanks guys. And so to wrap this up, for everybody listening out there, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take a pen and paper and write down, if God is for us, who can be against us? And I want you to put that in your wallet. I want you to put it in your purse, put it in your planner, put it somewhere. Put it on your bathroom mirror, it doesn't matter. It's going to give you the confidence to continue to move forward to know that there is a God there that loves you and is with you every step of the way. And then when things are down, to look at that and say, there's nothing against me because God is for us. It is a wonderful tool for you to use uh, to to keep you going throughout the day and throughout Lent, throughout the rest of the year. 
that's all I have on this. Maybe next week we'll call it stream of consciousness, cup of coffee. I don't know, <laughs> way too much caffeine, what it is. But we're going to move on to the next main topic, and Phil is doing that. Yeah, this week we're going to talk about the Stations of the Cross. Just a brief origin. Uh, it's tradition holds that our Blessed Mother visited daily the scenes of our Lord's Passion and would, would walk that and pray that path. It's noted that after Constantine legalized Christianity in the year 312, the pathway was then marked with its important stations. St. Jerome noted towards the later part of his life while living in Bethlehem that there were crowds of pilgrims from various countries who visited those holy places and followed the way of the cross. And there's Via Crucis in Latin or Via Dolorosa, the way of sorrows. So either the, the way of the cross or the way of sorrows, but... Either way, we kind of can see this strong devotion. And although there has very early origins, there's a long period of time from this localized devotion in Jerusalem before it starts to break out in other areas. Other churches are trying to reproduce these holy places in about the 5th century. So there's a good span of time, a couple hundred years or so. And then in 1342, the Franciscans actually were appointed as guardians of the shrines of the Holy Land, and the faithful received uh, indulgences for praying at the following stations. So at Pilate's house, where Christ met his mother, where he spoke to the women, where he met Simon of Cyrene, where the soldiers stripped him of his garments, where he was nailed to the cross and at his tomb. You'll notice that that's not the traditional 14 that we have today, but this is how kind of the Franciscans helped to centralize this and give us some focus on this and then there was this english pilgrim and i looked across many different sites so william way an english pilgrim visited the holy land in 1462 and he's really credited with the term stations and he talked about it as this was following the steps of christ what i did not know that i thought was very interesting is that prior to around this time People were actually following a reverse course of ours today. They would move from Mount Calvary to Pilate's house. So I thought that was very interesting to see that they would start at Calvary and work their way to Pilate's house. Um, because I've only known it the way I know it. It 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 kind of, you know, it stir, steers my head the wrong way. But it, it's just an interesting perspective to think of a different perspective on how to meditate on our Lord's passion kind of go in reverse. I would have never, never would have guessed that. So then in the 1500s, early 1400s, and then all the way through the 1500s, uh, when the Muslim Turks blocked access to the Holy Land, that's when there's really a big kind of reproduction of uh, many popular spiritual uh, centers throughout Europe, mostly. And they're reproducing the station so that the people can still have the devotion, even though they can't go to Jerusalem, to the Holy Land. And this is where it's really starting to take off. Uh, in 1584 is when a book is written, and this book is really trying to draw people closer to Christ's trial, his, his passion for all of us. Here is where we have 12 stations. And then in the 16th centuries, when we start to first see the 14 stations that we have today. So I thought it was really interesting that we have a much more trimmed down version for a number of centuries. I really 
did not expect when re- doing some research on this that there would it would have been going back that far. I mean, I guess I kind of did in my head, but I was just surprised to see that there's so many different places citing uh, both the tradition of our Blessed Mother praying the stations, but then also even St. Jerome uh, in the late 300s, early 400s, noting that there's pilgrims from other countries coming to pray the way of the cross. I, I just thought that was a beautiful story. And so the importance during Lent is we're really trying to draw in on and meditate on Christ's passion, what he suffered for us. And we do that so that we can draw ourselves into that mystery. And that's really when we want to use our imagination to really place us on, you know, along the road with Christ and really walk that passion with him. And we usually do this on Fridays. But it can be done in any week. It can really be done any day or week of the year. But this is an opportunity to draw into the passion of our Lord, everything he went through for us, how he gave himself up to save us all. So we thought we'd highlight Stations of the Cross because it's something that is very popular during Lent. Deacon Terry and I just attended Stations of the Cross at his parish earlier this evening. And, and it's it, it's a beautiful way to meditate on the life of Christ and how each one of those stations are reflected in our own lives as what I uh, was so blessed to be able to partake with uh, Deacon Terry's parish, uh, a unique stations that I hadn't heard before that really helped draw out how how are my actions reflected in Christ's compassion for us, and how can I take those lessons that Christ is giving us to then bring them into my own life and with those that I interact with, my family, my friends, people I work with, you know, spreading that same compassion that Christ has for me, for everyone. Thanks, Phil. Um, And it was incredibly awesome to reflect on the Stations of the Cross with with, uh, my brother Deacon earlier this evening before this podcast. So thank you for you and your lovely family coming to assist me at Stations of the Cross tonight. Interesting perspective that you brought up, Phil, you know, where they originally started at Calvary and worked their way back to Pilate's house. I th- I've never heard that before. So thank you for bringing that out. Stations of the Cross have been, uh, for me, a very powerful experience since I was a child, uh, an altar server, and I would be asked to uh, be an altar server or an acolyte, you know, for Stations of the Cross. Uh, Back in those days, like we did this evening at my church, uh, it was a full benediction after the Stations of the Cross. So a great way to draw ourselves in and stop and reflect and walk in the feet of Jesus, even though we're not physically there, spiritually we're there. And I always find stations for me to be both joyful because I'm there celebrating and sorrowful at the same time because we're walking with Jesus to his death. So uh, incredibly awesome, incredibly uh, spiritual experience for me. How about about you, Bob? Well, I did not go to Stations of the Cross tonight at Terry's Church, so I did not partake in that. But I do go 
uh, every Lent. And, and I do, it's, it is a, a wonderful um, opportunity to kind of do this, you know, this, uh, this timeline, you know, and to kind of go through that. And it helps you, I think, understand a little bit if you if you didn't know how this, you know, kind of from A to Z, right? The progression of this. Yeah. And I I know that I've participated numerous times in numerous parishes I've lived in where I've got up and I I read uh, uh, I read the part of a soldier once, right? So it would have been either when we're carrying the cross or were they towards the end, right before Jesus dies on the cross. Um, so, you know, I've, I've had that experience has stuck out in my mind. I talked to Terry about the soup supper. We used to do it on uh, Thursday nights in one parish and they had a soup supper afterwards for the fellowship portion of it. Um, and in fact, you know, when I was in RCIA, the deacon at that church who also taught the RCIA, he did, he did uh, Stations Across and it was a newer church, a very large metropolitan church. He, they did not have, like on, on like a lot of churches, they have the stations posted on the wall, right? You just go from one to two to three, yep. down and then come around and go the other way. Well, it was, it's a, you know, one of the newer churches, where all the, you know, it's more circular and they're all facing the center where the altar is. He, he walked up and down the rows and carried a cross the whole time. He'd carry the cross from point A to point B, from one to two, from two to three, he'd carry the cross. Wow. 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 And then, and then, you know, so it was really, you got that visual impact and I know you guys have seen it. You know, the if you watch the Mel Gibson movie, right? I mean, that really, you know, really uh, gives you that, you know, visual representation yeah, of, of that. You know, so, no, I, I think it's, it's, it gives you all the emotions, right? You get mad, you get sad, you know. And, and there's everything else. I mean, it really does. It gives you all those things. Well, and to hear, you know, you bring that up with the Mel Gibson movie and then later here in interviews that Jim Caviezel almost actually died during the making of that movie uh, because he had caught pneumonia and but he still wanted to continue on filming just brings that suffering and you know what christ went through you know maybe a little bit add a little accentuation to his performance i guess yeah definitely and i really like the uh, soup supper that's something that traditionally we've been doing in our parish until this year when we can't do it but typically we would have soup and sandwiches uh you know a family would bring in soup and make some grilled cheese or something else you know tuna or peanut butter sandwiches or something eat those and then everyone would go in and pray stations so that was a tradition that we've really enjoyed for more than a decade but uh it's changed this year eat supper before we go to church that's that's what we do now well next year we'll probably next year will be better i think i agree 
hopefully. Oh, okay, so that's all we have for the main topic this week. Uh, you know, we'll just close by saying everybody needs to go and uh, participate in Stations of the Cross at your local church. If you've never been before, please go because it will be absolutely a rewarding experience for you. All right. I, I'm, also go gonna, I'm also going to link to a YouTube video of Stations of the Cross if people are unable to go and a number of other things. All right. Time to take a quick break, pay the bills. We'll be back right after this. All right, we're back. We don't actually pay any bills with that break, but it just sounds really good when I say it. It does. So it's time for the Saint Spotlight with Terrence Jancic. Why, thank you, Robert. Appreciate that. So this week, the Saint Spotlight shines on Saint Francis of Rome, whose feast day is March the 9th. Francis of Rome is the patron saint of automobile drivers because of a legend that an angel used to light the road before her with a lantern when she traveled, keeping her safe from hazards. Within the Benedictine order, she is honored as a patron saint of all oblates. She is also the patron saint of widows. Francis of Rome uh, won of the resources that I uh, was looking at while preparing for this stated that she should be named the patron of wishes that don't come true. Francis of Rome, uh, by submitting faithfully to God, she received even more than she had wanted the blessings of both married and religious life. Francis's life combines the aspects of secular and religious life. A devoted and loving wife, she longed for the lifestyle of prayer and service, so she organized a group of women to minister to the needs of Rome's poor. By submitting faithfully to God, she received even more than she had wanted. As a girl, Francis, St. Francis thought she was called to be a nun. Instead, however, she lived 40 happy years as a married woman. Exception, an exceptionally competent person, Frances, conducted herself according to clear priorities. She expressed her commitment to Christ in her first affectionate care for her husband and children, then for her extended household, and finally for Rome's sick and poor. Sometimes, she said, a wife must leave God at the altar to find him in her household management. One of the greatest mystics of the 15th century, she was born in 1384 to a noble family. From her mother, she inherited a quiet manner and a pious devotion to God. From her father, however, she inherited a strong will. She decided at 11 that she knew that God wanted what God wanted for her and announced that she was going to be a nun. And that's where her will ran right up against her father's. He told Francis she was far too young to know her mind, but not too young to be married. He had already promised her in marriage to the son of another wealthy family. In Rome at the time, a father's word was law. A father could even sell his children into slavery or order them killed. Frances probably felt that what she was doing by forcing, or what her father was doing by forcing her to marry, 
was to really kind of stifle that prayerful nature. But just as he wouldn't listen to her, Francis wouldn't listen to her father. She stubbornly prayed to God to prevent the marriage until her confessor pointed out, are you crying because you want to do God's will or because you want God to do your will? So at 12, Francis married Lorenzo Panziano, a nobleman who loved her tenderly. She drew close uh, to Venosa, her sister-in-law, who lived in the same house and shared her zeal. Together, they tended to the sick, seeking out Rome's worst cases. In 1400, Francis gave birth to a son, the first of four children, all of whom she tended personally. A year later, she would become mistress of the Panziano family estate, which she managed skillfully even during the ravages of the plague and the turbulence of civil wars. Soon after her marriage, St. Francis felt, fell seriously ill. Her husband called a man in who dabbled in magic, but St. Francis drove him out of the house in no uncertain terms. St. Alexis then appeared to her and cured her. From that time, St. Francis of Rome began to be conscious of the presence and assistance of her guardian angel. The guardian angel would give her a little nudge when she fell into any fault. Among her children, we know of Batista, who carried on the family name Evangelista, a child of great gifts, and Agnes. Frances was remarkable for her charity to the poor and her zeal for souls. She won away many Roman ladies from a life of frivolity and united them in an association of oblates attached to the White Benedictine Monastery of St. Maria Nuova. Later, she became the Benedictine Oblate Congregation of Tor di Specie in 1433, which was approved by Eugene IV. Its members led a life of religious, but without the strict cloister of formal vows and gave themselves up to prayer and good works. With her husband's consent, Frances practiced and advanced in a life of contemplation. Her visions often assumed the form of drama enacted by her heavenly partners. Civil war came to Rome this t uh, during this time, and it was at a time of popes, anti-popes, and Rome literally became a battleground. During the wars between the Pope in Rome and various anti-popes in the Western Schism of the Catholic Church, Lorenzo, her husband, served the former. At one point, there were three men claiming to be Pope. One of them sent a cruel governor, Count Troia, to conquer Rome. Lorenzo was seriously wounded and his brother was arrested. Troia sent word that Lorenzo's brother would be executed unless he had Batista. Francis's son and the heir of the family as a hostage. As long as Troya had Batista, he knew that the family would stop fighting. When Francis heard this, she grabbed Batista by the hand and fled. On the street, she ran into her spiritual advisor, Don Andrew, who told her 
she was choosing the wrong way and ordered her to trust in God. Slowly, she turned around and made her way to Capitol Hill where Count Troya was waiting. And she and Batista walked the streets. Crowds of people tried to block her way or grab Batista from her to save him. After giving him up, Francis ran to a church to weep and pray. As soon as she left, Troya had put Batista on a soldier's horse, but every horse they tried refused to move. Finally, the governor gave in to God's wishes. Francis was kneeling before the altar when she felt Batista's little arms around her. During a period of forest exile, much of Lorenzo's property and possessions were destroyed in the course of one occupation by Rome, by the Neapolitan forces in the early part of the century, he was wounded so severely that he never recovered. Francis nursed him throughout the rest of his life. His last words to her were, I feel as if my whole life had been one beautiful dream of purest happiness. God has given me so much in your love. After Lorenzo died in 1436, Francis joined the Oblates and became their superior. During the last half of her life, she received frequent visions and ecstasies. It is said that for 23 years, her guardian angel was visible to her, aiding her in her service. At the age of 52, she had the life she dreamt of when she was 11. She had been right in discerning her original vocation. She just had the timing just a little bit wrong. God had other plans for her in between. Francis died four years later in 1440 on the occasion of a visit to her son. Her last words were, the angel has finished his task. He beckons me to follow him. Her canonization was preceded by three processes in 1440, 1443, and 1451, and Pope Paul V declared her a saint on the 9th of May in 1608. And that is St. Francis of Rome. St. Francis. Pray for us. Pray for us. See, this is why we bring you these saints, I, I don't want to call it obscure, but for lack of a better word, are not as well known because when I, when I, we we're doing our selection process this week, we said St. Francis of Rome. I go, yeah, what a guy, St. Francis of Rome. <laughs> <laughs> Francis spelled the other way. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I just, cause once you say St. Francis, you think of a guy. Beautiful saint. And I love that quote from her husband. You know, to be so loved, what a beautiful testament for all of us married people to try to live up to that call as a husband or for those that are wives that are listening to really love our spouse and care for our spouse to such great a level that they would say that on their deathbed. I, I think that's a beautiful testimony. I'm far from that, uh, but it's something to strive for, right? And we can ask Absolutely. for friends like St. Francis of Rome to help intercede for us and strengthen us and our guardian angel too yeah yeah absolutely we're gonna move now to uh, the end of our podcast but before we get to the very end and we pray 
we'd like to tell you something. We'd like to thank you, first of all. Shout out to all you in Europe that are listening to this podcast. Thank you so much hey for continuing to listening to us. Whoop, whoop. Uh, merci beaucoup. And uh, Don't get shame. <laughs> Muchas right. gracias. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we got them all covered. If what, what we want you to do is we want you to spread the word. Spread the word across your family, across your city, across your state, across your continent, across the world, that they should be listening to this podcast. So please, you know, do that. Please also um, go on to uh, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get this, and, and rate us. Please rate us five stars because that certainly helps our egos quite a bit and makes us feel like we're very, very overly self-important. So we would very much appreciate that. Also, it helps other people find us. We'd also love your comments and your prayer intentions. We're here to pray with you and for you. So you can leave those on those podcast platforms, but probably a better place to do that is at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com, anchor.fm forward slash strangecatholics to leave us a voice message. Thank you. Okay, and now let's get to final prayer with Terry. All right, my brothers, let's go ahead and begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we close this podcast and we close our time together, we just thank you for the grace and the beauty of these brothers here with me today. Thank you for allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through us to share our thoughts and what affects our lives. God, I, we just pray that as we come together, that we continue to honor and glorify your holy name. And we pray for all those listening, that they see the light of your love and know that if God is for us, who can be against? We also pray especially for my dad on the occasion today of his 88th birthday. May he be celebrating in heaven with the angels and the saints. We also pray for protection of life from conception to natural death. May God protect all life. For those that are fighting addiction, may God bring them peace and allow them to put their addictions aside. For those that are struggling in their marriage and in their relationships, may God bring them peace and love. And for all those suffering from mental illness and mental issues, may the Holy Spirit bring them healing, peace, and to the light of God. And we pray for all of these intentions through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Wonderfully done. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy, the Spirit. Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for listening to us. We look forward to you tuning in next week. We'll have a wonderful podcast for you. Until that time, love you, brothers. Love you, brothers. Love you, brothers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Strange Catholics. 
We hope that you enjoyed the conversation and it helps you dive into a deeper reflection and union with our Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to leave some feedback, please go to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics to leave a voice message, or you may also send us an email at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. Links will be in the description. Please share this podcast and this episode with at least one person. This will help get the word out and get more people to join into the conversation. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you are listening to us. This really helps the podcast get traction and help even more people discover the peace, love, and mercy that our Lord offers and is longing to offer each and every one of us. Thank you again for listening. Have a glorious day. And may God bless you.